Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off this cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to our first midweek podcast of the 1920 season. Uh, what better reason to bring us together on a Wednesday night, Dan? Uh, I mean, what could be better than a domestic community shield for Chelsea to participate in? No, they say international community shield slash Super Cup. That is what we got today. And I know, Nick, you also had to find a way to watch it in between work, which is always a challenge. I mean, of course not. I'm a model employee. It was certainly a difficult thing to watch via Twitter. Yeah, we all played the game, saw uh, <laughs> really good representation across the uh, the Chelsea bars today. So congrats to you all who made it out of work and were Playing able to hooky. take well, here's, it in. Here's the really thing. I'm just so happy that they got better and recovered so quickly from their <laughs> cough, their stomach <laughs> virus, their flu. <clears throat> There, football. Did you guys feel that this morning? Did you guys feel that little tickle in your throat this morning, where you were like, "Oh man, I'm not going to make it." From like, let's just call it twelve to two, and work, work from home in this in the afternoon. That's how you got to tee it up. But then you got a lot better. It's weird how that works. Yep. Um, all right. Well, before we get into this, because there's a, a lot to unpack. Uh, Dan, iTunes reviews times. You you know what you know what to do. Yeah, I mean it just keeps on coming, and we are so thrilled with people leaving more five star reviews on iTunes. We got another three since we last recorded. That's right, just a couple days ago. Three more. The real T Bird. We have James nine 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 repeating, and then we had Chen from Singapore. 
all drop in some five-star love on the reviews for London is Blue on Apple Podcasts. You leave a five-star review, and then we will hook you up with a shout-out at the beginning of the next episode. So keep them coming. Yeah, that's fantastic, especially uh, Chen coming in from Singapore. Crazy that they're listening to us there, but there's Chelsea fans everywhere. And a huge shout-out to Brendan, not to be confused <laughs> with Brandon, Brendan. for joining Patreon uh, we will see you in the Discord and Fantasy Premier League. Excited to have you on board. Brendan, you're already a host of the show. You don't yeah, need to not, be in the podcast. Like, nope, look, not, not me. So Brendan. We're, we're good. Nick, <laughs> gift time. Go ahead and let the listeners know what we have on offer. And we have something coming up as well. Yeah, I'm giver of gifts, St. Nick, um, rolling through today. Uh, you guys know World Soccer Shop, London Pod, 10% off. Uh, I just used it the other day. My, my friends uh, just had a baby girl, um, so congratulations to them. And I bought them a little uh, Megan Rapino onesie off WorldSoccerShop.com because they had a little girl. Um, so I'm excited about that, and I just used our code to do that. Uh, Talisman, you know, London Blue 10 is 10% off, $35 or more. Uh, this beautiful cap, if you're watching on YouTube, is from them. Actually, I think we're all wearing them today. Correct. Look at that. God, look how sponsored we are. Um, and then classic football shirts. We did a little bit with them last year. Uh, they're coming back uh, to do their biggest sale of the year in a couple of weeks. So I'm not going to tease any more than that, but you're going to want to stay tuned if you are interested in some classic football shirts, perhaps a perhaps a Lampard shirt, perhaps a and the exclusive Jody Morris shirt from back in the 98 Super Cup. I mean, there's just a ton of options. So uh, yeah, pay attention to all those three things. Help us out. Um, go spend your money at these fine establishments. All right. Well, here it is match review time. It was Liverpool in the UEFA Super Cup, and they were at Besiktas Park in Istanbul. Uh, Liverpool have a little bit of history there, trying to tell us it is their home away from Anfield, but I couldn't be bothered with that narrative. So as it went, it was 1-1 after regulation, 2-2 after extra time, and Chelsea just falls short 4-5 on penalties. In case you missed it, spoiler. Uh, Dan, t- before we get into the goals and everything like that, let's kind of set the stage with the lineup uh, and what happened in this match. Yeah, so just a couple of substitutions, but we did see Keppa between the sticks. We saw the Zuma Christensen pairing, the A to Z in the center back positions. We saw Azpilicueta and Emerson return into the lineup. And then instead of this 4-2-3-1, we did see a 4-3-3 lineup. We ended up seeing a healthy Conte, surprise, surprise, which was amazing. Kovacic or Jorginho returned to a midfield three, just like a flashback to last season. And then we saw... Christian Pulisic, Pedro, and Giroud as our front three. We also saw a few substitutions make it in. We saw Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount come in in the 74th minute. Tomori came in the 85th for Christensen. It looked like he pulled up with a little bit of an injury. And then Barkley in the 101st minute in the match comes in. And yeah, Nick, I mean, it was a little bit of a switch. Some of the things that I thought was going to happen happened. Some of the things you thought was going to happen happened. And I mean, I, generally, the lineup really, you know, all came to play. Yeah, really surprised to see N'Golo play a casual 120-plus penalties. Um, that that was wild. I mean, he was also, coincidentally, the best player on the pitch. So, 
you know, take that for what it is. The man's just an absolute machine. He's a wonderful footballer. We'll get into his positioning here in a little bit, but um, I thought Olivier Giroud was going to start. He did. He provided a goal. Uh, probably could have had another one. Uh, I thought he looked really, really good today, and uh, I think that was a smart move by Lampard. Yeah, heads up for you counting at home. Yes, we had four substitutions. You now get an extra sub if you go into extra time, and so Lampard able to use that. Um, Stat-wise, so from a possession standpoint, uh, Chelsea 48% today. Uh, Liverpool, obviously, with the other 52. Chelsea had nine, uh, 21 shots, uh, only six on target. Liverpool had 20 shots, 11 on target. Um, as we go through this, uh, we're pretty even on passes. Um, and then, you know, one yellow card to their two. And then we committed 12 fouls to their 10. So it, overall, the game is very much in the balance, very even on paper. And I think most of us watching would even say it was pretty even on you know from the eye test i guess as you want to put it as well um you know if if we run through some of the goals right away uh it was the first one nick i was kind of surprised to see Giroud making a through run first of all i know uh, great I know. pass by pulisic to find him and an even better finish from ollie it's it's our first real match Pool assist shout out on the oh show. We all have it. Look, uh, I think it's a it's a beautiful thing when it happens in real time. Um, we hope for a, a few more of these in the actual Premier League. Uh, that will be useful. But yeah, I mean, you basically summed it up. I mean, it was it was the reverse of what we thought those two players would be doing on this play. Um, Giroud making a wonderful through run. Pulisic with a great ball to him, and really just a good finish. Um, he had a very similar one, Dan, earlier that he, he put way wide. Mm. And I think that gave him the the angle, kind of you know, kind of zoned it on the angle to, to get this one right. And I'll tell you, I think this goal was indicative of, you know, I think Chelsea struggled the first five minutes of this match to, to deal with Liverpool's press. But after that, they were fine. They were completely fine. Yeah, and I think the other thing that bears mentioning is just the fact that Pulisic had two people basically on him, another third coming in support to guard against him, and two additional in front. So he basically had to thread the needle with that pass and delivered it perfectly, full commitment, falling to the ground finally as he gets it just off of his feet. And so, yeah, awesome pull assist, awesome goal from Olivier. And, I mean, just dude just knows how to score when he's on Europe. Like, we should just tell him, like, stamp his passport every time before he walks on the pitch to train his mind to think that he's in Europe. And hopefully he can do the same thing back in Stamford Bridge. Well, producer Jake, by the way, we need some production around pool assist and Golosic, whatever we're going to call that. Uh, more booze, like when you predicted us being in the relegation zone. Sure. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, whatever you got to do to make this right. But uh, Golosic and pool assist, we need some... We need some Galistic. eagles. We need some fireworks. We need some production there. So oh. just need to call that out. Yeah, Goal it's gonna happen. Is so bad. <laughs> uh, well, good luck with this one because in the hundred first minute, Dan, uh, Jorginho stepped up to take the penalty. That was probably the least exciting part of this. Tammy Abraham surviving a very tense VAR session. Yeah, it was a lot to be. There was a lot 
left to be discussed about officiating and the use of VAR after the match, which is unfortunate because it's just a narrative that you don't want to have play a part in these type of major moments. And great commitment from Tammy. Adrian just makes a really bad mess and kind of bungles the situation, challenging on Tammy. I think some people thought it was potentially a soft um, soft penalty to be given and awarded, but they went back to VAR. Um, I, I thought it was soft. Okay, well, it still was given. VAR yep. didn't didn't overrule it, so it stands. Tammy doesn't get the chance to take it. Jorginho now basically has only missed, I think, one in his last two, four, six, eight, ten, like 12. So he's having a really, really good record. And maybe he ends up, if he's on the pitch, ends up becoming the person over Barkley who gets the opportunity to take uh, penalties from open play, Brandon. Well, that's what I was, I was trying to figure out, and I can't tell just from the stat sheet because Barkley came on in the 101st. Jorginho scored in the 101st. I don't know if Barkley was on the pitch. Someone will let me know. Um, but I think that that would be a bit of a sign one way or another. Um, so obviously we got into the pens, uh, and it was just, it it was looking pretty good from there. Um, but we'll save that for a little bit later. So right off the bat, the first one I want to talk about is I was on, I was preaching a little bit last episode about, you know, this whole Lampard out slash patience. Is it too soon? What change do you make? I said, we got, we have to wait and see what the reaction is. Well, we got it. We we got to see what the reaction was in, in Lampard. Uh, he came out and made changes. We went to a 4-3-3 that was awkwardly really close to a lineup we, we saw a lot last season. So, of course, that drew out all of the sorry sympathists, which was just unnecessary to see on Twitter. Um but what I my question is is how do you think Frank did setting up the team for this match? Because it's very different. Um, Mark Clement on Discord even saying, what's our best formation? The 4-3-3 was almost identical to what Sarri ran, but the implementation looked different. Nick, I think that's a huge difference. Yes, N'Golo Kante was playing in a very forward position. You know, Jorginho was sitting, Kovacic was in there, but it it, it didn't look like Sarri ball, that's for sure. No, I, I think it looked like what we thought Sarri ball would look like uh, a little bit, which is, you know, I, it's a cheap shot, I guess, but, uh, you know, it, it's... I thought it was exciting. I thought it was direct. Um, the thing that you have to call out first and foremost is N'Golo Conte. You know, the, when you watch the Manchester United match and you watch this match and you wonder, oh man, why are Chelsea so much more energetic? Why are they pressing so much? Why, why are they winning ball, you know, balls back in, in Liverpool's half? I, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a superhero performance from N'Golo Conte and others. Uh, but N'Golo Kante leading the way, in my opinion, that it, it's kind of hard, Dan, to for me to compare to the United match because it felt so much like apples and oranges, not just from a lineup standpoint, but from a personnel standpoint. You had N'Golo, you had Giroud, uh, who I thought did really, really well. You had Pulisic from the start, and I think the team just felt a lot more compact, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. I, I think we did a really good job pressing. We did a really good job holding, for the most part, our, our defensive line. So we saw a much better performance from the partnership of, of Christensen and Zuma, uh, especially in the, the ability of Emerson to just play up and down, you know, really against Mosala was a pretty impressive performance uh, and shift to put in over the 120. Uh, you know, 
to speak quickly on N'Golo, just stat-wise, 120 minutes played, 102 touches, 84% pass accuracy, eight take-ons, four chances created, three tackles, two aerial duels, one interception, one clearance, one shot. That is And a sprinkle just, of nutmeg, if you will. Yeah, just a, yeah. a nice, a, just a, a little dash bit on of the, the top. Yeah, you just got to grate it over your, you know. Yeah, just a little fine so mist. I definitely, I definitely want to get into specific players. It's hard not to bring him out. But we should out. pull out. We, we should pull out, though, because I think – the overwhelming thing that people should walk away from this match with is not feeling disappointed by the fact that we didn't lift the trophy and allowing that to muddy what was a resilient performance. Like this is Phoenix from the ashes moment after what was a really unfortunate first blow, uh, you know, shot across the bow, black eye for us in the public sphere, not within Chelsea, because I think within our own community, we felt really good about the positive signs we saw from Frank and the four real errors that led to those goals and really made the result more look more lopsided than it did versus United. This is one where you look at the media coverage afterwards and the people who are doing the uh, the commentating on Bleacher Report, the ESPN article, a Telegraph article, all the articles and conversation afterwards is like, oh shit, like this Chelsea team put together an effort, took the one of the best sides in Europe at the moment, even with one or two of their top players out of the initial starting lineup, and forced them to 120 minutes and lost on penalties. Are we actually sure we understand what this Chelsea team is right now, Nick? I think that you have to be like this is all positive to me even though the end result initially left me steaming for about the the hour afterwards yeah look look and brandon you're up next on this like the thanks uh thanks for that thumbs up that was so dumb um (laughs) i i think the overwhelming feeling and i and i tweeted this out is if you're liverpool you don't feel good about that you don't feel good about the performance you put in Chelsea took you to the wire. Um, and this Chelsea team has still, you know, with, with a fair amount of talent, I'm not saying we're a talentless team, but I mean, if you're comparing the two programs right now, I mean, we're, we shouldn't win this game. Probably. I mean, and the fact that we almost did is, a, is a, just an incredible credit to the team. I feel really proud about the effort, but I'm also Brandon, not a moral victory person. So I'm pissed off that we didn't do it. And I'm pissed off. Frank didn't get his first win, you know, in a in a game that was really intense, it felt like a mid season type of clash to me. Right. I think that's what. Um, I mean, I think that's what surprised most of us. Frank and Jurgen both put out very strong lineups. Uh, in you know, respectively, they took it serious. I mean, the teams played with a ton of intensity. It was really good to see that kind of a reaction. You know, from Frank and the team coming out going out there. I mean, they went balls to the wall in this match. Uh, we're pressing. It's it's funny you called N'Golo Kante's 120 minutes casual because that's exactly what it was. He makes it look casual, which is ridiculous. Um, but the, the 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 mentality to battle, to go into tackles, to run things down, I mean, that's what Tammy did. He ran down that loose ball in the box to make the referee and VAR make a decision, and they did. And we talked about that. I mean, that's what happens. You know, Pulisic continuing to get to the end line and cut the ball back across the box. You know, Frank set this team up to to go toe-to-toe with Liverpool. And, you know, and I'm just speculating here. He probably did on purpose. Like, you know what, 4-3-3, we're going 4-3-3. You guys played it last season, right? 
Let, let's go head to head with him. It's you versus him, you versus him, you versus, let's go. Let's see what happens. And, um, you know, I kind of laughed when I saw the lineup because I couldn't have been further off from what the hell actually happened. Um, but, per usual, you know, well, yeah, <laughs> Frank got a different tune out of these guys. I think that the way the team was organized, like 4 3 3 might be the new formation going forward, at least for a while. I mean, he's got to run this out for a while. But for whatever reason, Christensen was settled. Zuma was worse settled. Um, Emerson still looks really strong. But the middle three, to me, was the biggest difference. Against Manchester United, Jorginho was run- and Kovacic were just running backwards to our own goal so much. They, they were a unit. They were organized. They were pivoting. Their movement within the middle was fantastic. Packed. They were compact. Right. Like, they and didn't they, get separated. Right, because they they knew what to do. I mean, it's almost as if they had been doing it for (laughs) a season. But to yours and Mark's uh, credit, Nick, it's a very different system. They're looking to go forward. But that intricate passing is still there. There's a a little bit of excitement with this team, too. We don't just hoof it long and run it down. Well, it's almost as if, to steal my phrase back, that you can... Play, you know, to Mark's point, you can play multiple formations against multiple teams depending on what your best matchups are going to be. You know, like we could easily go out 4 2 3 1 against Leicester if that's the best matchup for our team. But what I what I will agree with you on, Brandon, is the trademark fight, the energy, the getting stuck in, all of this stuff that, you know, at times over the past four or five years, we haven't really felt as much felt like the team was a little soft maybe it it did not feel like that tonight at all um and that dan i i can't you know if, if we get nothing back besides that just steel mentality and and just willingness to to go the extra mile and and we get an 11 in goal contact type of efforts on the field then win i you know i think what we saw during some of those first years under Mourinho and under Ancelotti is that our team was okay being a bunch of bastards at times and really just making life difficult for 90 minutes plus for the opposition. And this is one of the first times in recent memory. I think the last time I can remember it is under, under Conte and the Man City Chelsea match, that type of steel where we had like a Diego Costa up front and where you thought that these guys would just, you know, kill someone on the pitch because, like, that's where they're at. This this team had a shade of that. Not fully, but you get a Rudiger back in there. You know, you get Giroud up top, who definitely adds that that cut to it. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about that type of mental strength, Brandon, that allowed us to go from one of the worst opening days we've had in 40, 50 plus years to then respond by taking the winners of the Champions League two-time finalist over the last two seasons, someone who's been working on a project for five plus years to get it to this point with millions upon millions of pounds of spend. And we took a bunch of youth players, some players people said are washed up and don't have the legs and made it to the 120 minute and lost on a penalty shootout. Moral victory, 100%. I was just super disappointed that it went 120 minutes. The announcers were talking about it was going to go right to penalties after regulation. So I had to deal with incompetence in the broadcast again. 
Um, but you know, you said a name there, Dan, which I think is important. I miss this. Rudiger was on the bench today. William was on the bench today. To be fair, they had a full bench of 12 players, you know, but you also, Billy Gilmore traveled. Tamori even got minutes, you know, and poor Batshuayi still hashtag minutes for Mishi. But um, I think that that's what's really good to see. We're, we're starting to see the nucleus of Chelsea come back. And I think that's important. You know, everyone always gives Klopp a hard time because he's had so much time and money to build that team and until last season haven't won anything now of course they're probably going to be like oh yeah trophies just rolling them in two for two here we go but uh at the end of the day even if we won it i think that we would put our hands up and say hey great you know glorified preseason trophy a little bit um but i don't know nick klopp celebrated like he won the champions league all over again and i just was like to me yeah i I, I don't roll I roll that shit, man. It's come on. It's that's it's to me. If I like as an opponent, opposite fan, I'm kind of like, it's a little pathetic, man. Like, like it, if mm. if he would have won the Community Shield, there just would have been like a, a handshake, and then like right. everyone does a little lap, and then it's over. Like, yeah, that's essentially what this is. Like, you don't get extra credit for winning the UEFA Super Cup. Uh, it's a made up trophy in a country that is barely Europe. And like, look, I, I think there's a lot going on here. To Dan's point, though, I want, you know, maybe we'll print these shirts. We need to print some shirts, so we might just print them. We, we need the we need the like the battle of the bastards, like Frank's bastards mentality back into the show and and into the team. Like it makes a it makes a huge difference to not let Liverpool play exactly how they want to play to make them react to what you're doing to make them flustered to you know there there, there are times where Mo Salah when he gets frustrated just shuts down completely mm-hmm. you know and you gotta if you're if you're Frank Lampard who by the by there's a great passage in in uh in Soccernomics where in 2006 Jose Mourinho walked up to him while he was taking a post-game shower, looked him dead in the eyes and said, you're the best player in the fucking world. Act like it. And that was it. And then Frank went to score 20 some odd goals, have like nearly 20 assists and made the made the Ballon d'Or list like that is Frank has learned from all these different types of managers. And man, we just need that. We need him to look at Ross Barkley and Tammy and Mason and, and Christian, you know, especially and just say, like, look, these guys who just won the Champions League are are struggling with you right now at halftime. They really did. We played the most of the, the whole first half in their half. Like, look at it. You're doing it. Just keep doing it. And and I was so proud of that today, man. I really was. It's huge. I think it's um, – that's why we want to kind of elaborate on this one a little bit is, you know, the Lampard effect because – it's gonna be it's gonna be really hard for the uh, hashtag Lampard out people to show their face this week. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't show my face anyways. But you know, he and gave him some, he gave him go. some yeah he gave him something to think about, right? He gave him some it, he gave the fans confidence. I think if you go back on social media after the match, so much positivity from the team, uh, and that's what's great. And I think the the biggest black eye were the fans that were jumping on Tammy Abraham's back for the missed yeah. penalty. And that was just, that's just unacceptable. Uh, and that's, you have to think about as a fan base, he's a young striker uh, that needs the nurturing and the support of a fan base like that, especially he's homegrown, 
Like he's not, he's not a, he's not a, uh, you know, a, a journeyman. He's not an Iguain. He's not Marata. Like get your shit together. He's homegrown, support him, and let's have him go on to be extremely successful for the next eight, nine, ten years for Chelsea and be done with it. So that's all the, I'm going to do the, for that one. The, the one thing with Tammy, though, just to keep in mind, so he did take the final penalty to send Villa through yeah, to the we championship final last season. Uh, he has the, the ice through his veins, and I think credit to him for being the person who says, which I feel like it has – I don't think the first penalty is the hardest. I always think the last penalty is the hardest – to put himself on the you know in the firing line and say it was five, I'm gonna be four. the one to take number five yeah. after Mo Salah takes his, that's that's ballsy and that shows me that he is someone who has a mental toughness and determination. The whole team rallied around him at the end, and it you know I, I just you know you, you have to rally around that Nick. You can't be upset at him. People can't be targeting him. Those people are just assholes. Who's our let's let's say our last two fifth spot penalty takers and see if they were any good. Um, Eden Hazard, quite good. Didier Drogba, quite good. Um, the balls you have to have to be the, the fifth penalty taker are huge. And you have to have confidence in yourself. He is nothing if not confident. And my tweet after this, after the match was like, look, man, he may have missed this one, but he's going to make a hell of a lot more than he misses. He's going to score a hell of a lot more goals than he shanks. He is destined for greatness. Um, I, I'm almost sure of it. It may not be right now, right? It may not be this exact moment. But the, but the kid is 21 years old. I'm 31. And I'm, you know, I'm struggling with shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, come it's on. Like, like, right. Look at look at yourself and pretend like you're 21 again and see if you were, if you would have the stones in a fifth spot penalty when it's 5-4. I, I don't think you do. I don't think many people do. I think he does. You remember, this is the perfect situation for that. Great if you do. Not a big deal if you don't. And that is exactly what this was. So It's a game that means nothing. Right. That's Literally. what people, people forgot, and that was super depressing to see. But... You know, we're, we'll get into Frank's comments here in a little bit. Uh, we are going to take a quick ad break. Again, a huge thank you to these sponsors who are supporting our show financially so we can do more stuff for you guys. I promise we'll be right back when we are back. We're going to actually start talking about players one by one. And then we're also going to do quick fire questions from Discord because we got a bunch of awesome questions per usual. Uh, again, so be right back. All right, and we are back, Chelsea fans, with uh, our, our second question right here. So, uh, Dan, the players reacted just like Lampard did, and there was nothing friendly about this match. We, we hinted on it a little bit in the first part. So I know I preached how I would have written this match off completely in turn for resting players and game management for Leicester, but clearly Lampard could give a shit less what I have to say. Uh, he didn't let that happen. They came out ready to go. Um, you actually even tweeted, I believe, after the match, if you're not hyped for the potential this Chelsea side has after seeing the grit and determination they produced in over 120 minutes, check your pulse. That's right. Dan calling people out. I would like you to elaborate and respond to this tweet, Dan. Uh, look, I mean, yeah, it's going to be a roller coaster season. It's going to be one where we're going to lose some games in fine fashion, we're going to lose some games that we should win. We're going to win some games we shouldn't win. It's, it's, it's everything you expect from a side that right now is replacing extremely talented, more senior players with an injection of youth. 
you know, Christian Pulisic, brand new to the Premier League. Mason Mount and Tammy, brand new to the Premier League. You have Fakayo Tomori, if Christensen's injured and Rudiger isn't healthy yet, who's going to be getting a little trial by fire and, and ba- baptism through playing against uh, the the lesser, uh, you know, against Jamie Vardy and Perez this weekend, if that's the case. So I just think with all of that, with what we saw, with what Frank was able to do, I mean, th- what you can't question at this point is the man management seems to be out of the park, out of this world, Nick, in terms of his ability to galvanize a squad. And that is something that we we definitely did not have last season. We didn't have, as other managers have soured previously, already made hard decisions about Luis, has put himself in, you know, really in a, maybe an uncomfortable spot, and is already making an impression, like, on me, to say that, you know, anyone who's questioning him is not being able to manage at this level. It is, it's more about his resume and CV not matching up, not about what they're actually able to witness and what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Like, look, I, the reason I picked a sixth is because I wasn't sure if we were going to catch a lot of breaks this season. And I think, you know, especially when you look at the Premier League last season, we caught we caught a fair amount of breaks to finish third if we're completely honest, you know, the league is more competitive and we are, you know, as a team, Frank is growing a young group of, of really talented players. And sometimes that just takes time. Unfortunately, the Premier League does not offer you a bunch of time. So, so Dan's analysis, I think is right where there are going to be peaks and valleys this year. There are going to be, you know, rough stretches where we're, where we're wondering about, you know, players and, and whether or not they're improving in training. And there are going to be stretches where we're looking at Tammy Abraham, who's scoring two hat-tricks in a row and wondering if he's the next coming of Didier Drogba. I think the the thing that we should all try and do, and I know it's hard, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to fall victim to it as well, is just take all of this in stride and enjoy the moment. Frank Lampard is our manager. These players really seem to give a shit about Chelsea Football Club and, and want to win, and a bunch of these guys grew up in the club and have an extra dose of pride to be there. You know, a guy like Kovacic, for example, wasn't wanted at Real Madrid, might not have been wanted at Chelsea, but has now kind of rediscovered himself. You know, a guy like Christian Pulisic is, you know, I think being judged up and down because people don't think he's very good or people think he's way too good. There, there are going to be a lot of these types of moments, and I think we just have to understand that it's going to happen this year, all in the effort so that the next year and the year after that and the 10 years after that are better. And sometimes you need to have these building block moments, Brandon. I don't know. You know, again, the club, after Antonio Conte, went with Maurizio Sarri to do something different. Okay, well, Maurizio Sarri didn't work, so they went to Frank Lampard. They're trying something different. I mean, the club's not insane, right? Everyone likes to run the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Chelsea do not do that. That is Arsenal, right? That's even a hint of Spurs. They will continue down that path, and damn it, they will make it work. Nah, Chelsea, Roman? Nah, next one. We're on. Let's try something else. Um, and I think Chelsea have been revolutionary with that mentality, with the loan army, uh, what they've been doing at the Youth Academy, just sweeping up trophies and awards. Um, and now we get it, you know, Frank, because of extenuating circumstance, has to tap into those reserves. Um, 
look, there were some phenomenal performances today. So I want to like go around and everyone can pick out a couple of people they thought stood out. Um, obviously, I will cherry pick Pulisic right away. I think he was universally loved on social media. Um, his ability to get to the end line and put in a dangerous cross, his ability to make devastating runs in across the back shoulder of defenders. I mean, literally his goal that was called off sides is hairline. I mean, could have gone either way. Um, and I think that that was just showing his dynamism and his ability to create in very different ways. And I think that that's, that's exciting. That's, that's good to see. Um, so anyways, he was, he was my easy pick Dan for a standout player. Um, but what about you? Who, who were you really excited by, uh, you know, watching play against one of the best teams in the league? So I thought when Mason came on with, with Tammy and he had that crack at goal, um, you know, also had the, the, the disallowed one, like he, he definitely put in a performance and, you know, obviously there were some comments afterwards about, uh, about his performance versus United. He was catching a little bit of flack. Lampard was upset with what Mourinho said about him. And he just came out and looked like the player that we've been excited about. Took a awesome penalty. Just absolutely you know, iced through his veins. Um, That's ballsy, you know, that, honestly. Yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was quite good to see. I think the other one who got slated a ton after the United match and really had a chance to acquit himself was Zuma. I think he looked a lot more comfortable in this match. Had you know, again, you're going up against any of the attackers in Liverpool who easily score 70 plus goals a season. That that is a tall order, and he, along with Christensen, who also had a really strong game. All right, short list of the year. My gosh, we're going to be at all 11 players soon. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was a Herculean <laughs> effort. I, I think I, no one was probably below. A seven in terms of player ratings, Nick. I mean, I, I, you could go off this whole list and pretty much be given sevens, eights, eights and a halfs, nines. Pe- Pedro, not so much for me. Uh, maybe Aspilicueta, yeah. but maybe below a seven. Yeah. So those two, those two were not on my good list, but I, I was so impressed by our midfield three. You guys, like, I mean, we already wax poetic about Angulo Conte, but I thought Kovacic was a dynamo today. Uh, he was putting in tough tackles. He was dribbling past all of Liverpool's midfielders. Um, he was he was special today, and I was I was really really glad to see him take an opportunity. Um, you know, who knows how many different formations he's going to be a part of this year? But I uh, I thought he really did well. Jorginho was ice today, man. He was fucking ice today. Two penalties, both easy. Made a bunch of tackles, recovered the ball a lot. Wasn't always the best defensively, but I think moved the ball forward. Moved the ball forward in their half a lot. And when we recovered the ball was immediately when the, you know, when N'Golo had passed back to him, he was looking over the top or he was looking for Kovacic. And when you do that, you don't allow Liverpool to get set defensively. And we know that they're a little bit leaky uh, in that way. So though, you know, I thought those, those guys, we, we've said it time and time again, if we win the midfield, we have a, we have a shot and we, and I think we won the midfield today and Pulisic gave both Robertson and Gomez a ton of hell. Um, most people that I saw who are Liverpool fans have never seen Robertson play that bad. And by play that bad, it could also be that we played. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's we funny the trouble. way that works. 
Yeah, yeah. no, we did. Forced and, forced him to play uncomfortably. And and when Pedro and Pulisic switched, what was that, the thirty something minute, that you know, there was a significant you could see there was doubt in his mind. He was yelling at his own teammates and they were giving it to him back, like, dude, you're struggling right now. Yeah, was, I remember Van Dyke was chewing him a bit too. Yeah. So uh, that was great. That was really great. So, I mean, it's interesting you guys pull out, um, you know, Jorginho or Jorginho. <laughs> poor, poor kit man. Um, I actually DM'd one of them to see if I could figure out what the, what the hell happened. <laughs> um, anyways, and then Zuma, right? And I think, you know, not Jorginho. He played so many matches last season, but he was not rash in his defending. He wasn't flying up behind people. And so I just wonder if there's maybe a little too much excitement in the Manchester United match because you're actually playing a better team. We played better against a better team. And that could be the classic, you played at the comp- level of your competition. But I also think that maybe there's some erratic behavior out of those guys in the first match. Maybe they got out of their system. Uh, and then they and then they've settled. I remember my first season in college as the starter. I was just devastatingly nervous to a fault. My first match, we squeaked a one nothing. I had no confidence. I wasn't really talking. All these things that I'm, I'm usually really really good at. The next day, deuces. Like I was a, I was a completely different player. I just had to get that one under my belt, which I know is weird because Jorginho and Zuma have a lot of matches played. I just wonder if it's new season, new manager, new formations, new this, new that, new teammates. They just needed that one to settle, and they're good. Um, but that's just an, an alternative thought because I tell you what, I was I was very timid my first match collegiately, and then just stepped up and was the leader um, that I normally am. I think the one thing too is if we talk about you know maybe cameos, right? Because Fakao Tomori came in for a very small cameo, but he looked sharp as well against top tier opposition. And again, like that's, it's small minutes, it's a very tiny sample size, but he and Zuma looked very good together in their ability to control play, move the ball forward and be part of the attack and defense. So I think credit to everyone who stepped on that pitch absolutely deserves a round of applause for what they did. And I think we're, we're picking out pieces. I mean, Emerson was actually making tackles, which he doesn't do frequently, Nick, like he actually made sliding tackles and everyone was just pouring in whatever they had in the tank. I, yeah, I agree. Emerson looked great. Giroux uh, was who I thought he is. I mean, he, he, to me put in a performance today that, for me, if I'm Frank Lampard, is is the type of performance that I need my striker to make. It's not to say that Tammy was super poor at the weekend. I, I don't think that at all. But there is a, you know, to me, when Tammy came on, there was a significant difference in the way the ball moved around because he's not the hold-up type of striker that, uh, that Giroud is. And Giroud allows other people to get forward and to interchange and then gets into his own space. But... Um, I, what I saw from Giroud today was enough for me. Um, I thought he played really well. You know, the question is, can he do it in the league? And, you know, frankly, we we don't know that because he hasn't really done it. So um, there is a, a big question mark there. But, I mean, like, look, it's a hero's effort. Kepper, Kepa played really well, too. I mean, he had a incredible save goalkeepers union over there, not mentioning Kepa. Um, you know, and status really, quo. 
That, here, <laughs> here, you know, here's job. Like, no, day, he, just he another day. Super well, man. I and and all of this matters. It all matters. It it matters to see Kepa get up and, and roar and like pump up his teammates after a really great save. You know, it and it matters to see N'Golo Conte just out there nutmegging James Milner four or five times. It's it's wild, man. It's really great to see. And it, look, it, it all comes in a loss. There are no more victories, but boy, are we able to to project how this potentially could look moving forward. Yeah, and I think you can just tell the energy, right? And it's only been a few days, right? It's not like it's been, um, you know, a string of results. It's really propelled this onto something big. No, not at all. Like the Manchester United wounds are still raw, but this is a huge step in the right direction. Um, and the fact that we played a 4-3-3 and we pretty much never played a 4-3-3 except with our B team in preseason, uh, I think, Add another, you know, tool to the kit, essentially. Uh, all right, so we're going to, you know, start to wind it down with a quick fire from Discord. So we've got a few here that we picked, um, a couple not from Discord. So lucky you guys for getting in on this. First one, though, from Eagle Eye Gib saying, how awesome was it to hear Frank speak of Tammy so highly? Basically saying top-notch players want that. They want the fifth spot, but sometimes you just miss. Is it just me or is that leadership? Not false optimism, just total belief in his players. I mean, Dan, what it is is a lie, okay? Frank Lampard never missed, so he (laughs) is clearly a world-class player that accepts not everyone isn't as good as he once was. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's it's man management. It's you know you listen to Frank talk about the game, and you know, he talked about being upset and watching Liverpool lift the trophy, but the pride he felt, how how much in love he is with the determination of the players. He speaks on Tammy taking the opportunity, and you know that he he needs to be someone who does that. You know he is absolutely trying to instill confidence in these players to build the right support mechanism around them. Every single player, a Chelsea player on that pitch, went to Tammy afterwards and, and rallied around him. And you think that this, again, this could break people who are, you know, fragile and they can never come back from it. But you have to think with Frank there, with the organization of Chelsea behind him, that this is only going to be something that he builds upon. And again, I think Nick made the point earlier He's going to make a whole lot more than he's going to miss. And it sucks that he missed this one. But you you have to enjoy the way that Frank is always just kind of building the players up and not not tearing them down. Yeah, look, um, Frank knows exactly how to deal with these moments. He had a few in his career. Um, and I'm sure he wished that a manager, uh, instead of yelling at him, would have maybe put his arm around his shoulder and said, hey, we're going to go get him the next time. Just keep your head up, you know. That's that's what you need, and he did a phenomenal job. Uh, it also speaks to the confidence that he has in people who want that moment. Not everyone wants that moment. Aspie didn't take a penalty today. That was kind of weird. Uh, Barkley, you know, smashed his, right? So I think he, Frank respects the, the want to. It's just now we have to refine the skills a little bit. We have to get everyone involved, and... And this this thing will be going in the right direction. Number two, Blindside Brian saying, Will Pulisic start on Sunday? Keppel was amazed balls. Mount looked good. Great response to the loss at Man U. Will, I mean, I tell you what, it's a minutes thing. Mount played, Barkley played, Pedro played. The only person that could potentially go in in my mind, Nick, I'm thinking is potentially Willian. But, the, I mean, he's 
everyone's kind of on, on the same amount of minutes. The only thing that's down for him is he played all of his today versus last Sunday. I, I think Pulisic does start on Sunday. I think Pedro gets rested uh, after two really long matches. Barkley comes back in, and I think William gets gets the uh, gets the spot on the left and. Um, so that that will give us a, a real look at, at Pulisic on the right. I don't think there was any accident today, Dan, that he ended up playing a, a fair amount of minutes on the right. Um, that could just be a look ahead. Yeah, I think you know I initially was going to say no, but kind of in reviewing those minutes as we talked about it here just now, that yeah, I can see him start, and I you know, I think that Brian also makes some good highlights. That I think Mount looked good. Keppa obviously getting to trust maybe his defense a little bit more, getting a little bit more protection than he did last match. This was a great response. Keppa came out and collected a few high balls today, which we are not used to seeing. So I'd just like to point that out. Um, De Gea, if you remember, was shockingly terrible on crosses when he first came from La Liga. So a step in the right direction, especially since he's not the tallest uh, Big Nash saying, do we play Conte on Sunday or rest him to prevent injury? Obviously, we don't know, right? I mean, we were all told he's healthy. He's just not fit. And then he strolls out 120 minutes. You got Marco on Twitter saying that N'Golo Conte wasn't challenged enough, so he's going to bike home just for a nice little <laughs> cool down. Um, you know, like Big Nash, he's, he's a superhuman. Like, he's a freak. He's an endurance freak. Um the the fitness team the physios will know where he's at um, from a from a recovery status when it comes to Sunday but look I mean I don't think any of us are going to argue that if anyone can play this many minutes a short amount of time it's he's the first one to to be able to do it Marco also had my favorite tweet of the day which was everyone's a gangster until a real gangster rock, walks in the room and it was a picture of N'Golo Conte smiling. And- yeah, smiling, <laughs> cheerful, of course. Um, and it, it's 100% right. You know, everyone thinks they're a really great midfielder until they see a really great midfielder. And he was exquisite today. I would personally rest him on, on Sunday, Dan. Uh, you know, coming off an injury, I'm, I'm so fearful that we're not going to have a, a healthy N'Golo this year uh, because we clearly need him. He's a difference maker. It's a knee injury, not a muscle injury. That's my only reservation, Dan, with that is it might be a pain management thing for him. Yeah, and and look, you know, we lost him six minutes into that Watford match or whatever it was, and, you know, we're, we've still been dealing with the ramifications of that since then. So what I would say is let's figure out where he's at. The, the challenge is, is that our midfield is kind of – you know, as Brandon pointed out last episode, in the most cheery way possible, our midfield's a little thin, and we've played most of them 120 minutes in the last, you know, in this, and then we also had the United game. So there's already significant minutes on them. It's really going to be about what what works best for everybody. I'm okay if he doesn't start. I think that he should will probably get some minutes, but whether he starts is is a question mark to me. I was racking my brain to come up with another midfielder, and it's Billy Gilmore. Gilmore traveled over Bakayoko, just for context, for everyone wondering what's going because on. Because we're there. resting Bakayoko for Sunday, you know? That's <sighs> what we're doing. Um, Ed Nazar didn't travel a couple times last season. Look, I mean, you could play a 4-3-3 with Barkley instead of N'Golo, you know? I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility since we did that last year. Um, you know, leaving William and, and Pulisic or Pedro on the wing. Like, it's all possible. So, no no, no trouble. All right. Um, C.T. Davis saying, would you rather have Kovacic and Conte or Conte and Jorginho? Nick, what do you think on that one? Obviously, we've got your man crush, Conte, in there regardless. But 
you know, he's assuming you go back to four two three one. Kovacic, Jorginho. Um, right now, I would. God, it's tough, man. Um, I think I'd. I think I would have Jorginho actually, which is random for me because I really like Kovacic a lot. But if Kovacic is, or if uh, Jorginho is going to play further back and let Conte just go be a world-class footballer up front and be the actual pivot, which I did not think was going to happen, Dan, that that invites some interesting thoughts in my head about how this could work. So I think I want Kovacic and Conte, if it's a two in front of a back four, I want Conte and Jorginho plus a Ruben Loftus-Cheek if it's a 4-3-3. I think there are different ways that you can partner those two up. I think the Conte Jorginho only works if you've got another incredibly fast, technical, quick, incisive passer to partner with them, and also someone who can offer a little bit more of a goal threat in the way that Kovacic try as he uh, try his hardest today to actually get into the box and make a goal happen for himself and just couldn't put it together. So I, I think these could work, but it, it is a little bit formation dependent, Brandon. Not a doubt. I mean, who knows? Might just be rolling in the four three three from here on out until we uh, until we have to change. Uh, so Eric via text asked, "Why didn't Aspi take the fifth penalty? Wasn't that too much pressure for Tammy?" Um, Nick, you you mentioned this earlier. It looks like Emerson replaced Asby. Yeah, um, and and I don't really know the answer to this because Asby throughout his career has been a wonderful penalty taker. I mean, he's been, um, you know, I think my comparison would be like an, like an Ashley Cole in the old lineup, just always consistent with his placement, and it's always far enough away from the goalkeeper. Uh, he's been nailed. So I, I mean, either competition is really really stiff for the um uh for the penalty spots or you know i i would just say like again this is a game that doesn't matter to trust tammy for frank to look tammy in the eyes and say that is your spot you own it go get it is a big deal to me like i again it doesn't matter (laughs) this game doesn't matter it would have been great to win it but like it's a wonderful opportunity to kind of mess around on penalties and I think Emerson was great. You know, obviously Mount and Barkley crushed it. Um, they were the best of the night. Emerson's uh, was ballsy. That's it was. Me. It was oh, ballsy. It was right down the middle. It was right oh, down the pipe. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was he was probably next up if I were to guess then. Yeah, I, I think Aspie would have slotted ahead for me and just in my mind as I, as I was thinking about who's gonna come up because we're so used to him being involved in the penalty shootouts when it when it does come up. Especially if you lose someone like Louise, who was always a penalty taker for us, you know you don't lose miss Hazard. that long sprinting run up. Oh God, it's I always, loved it. Oh, oh it gave me God. the gave me Are the nerves you every time. Kidding me? It was the best penalty in Munich by a Ang- mile. Anxiety. I oh still have yeah. like heart palpitations thinking of that. Well, and now Jorginho gives me that because I it, it's <laughs> as great as his conversion rate is. His goofy approach is just it, it's so slow uh, moving towards goal that I just I can't. <laughs> Oh, it shouldn't work, but it does. Uh, yeah, I, I think I would have expected Asby. I'm glad Tammy took the opportunity to try to make it his own. Sucks it didn't happen. If it does go through, we're patting him on the back, and we're, we've hopefully put a you know put ourselves forward. But I think the next question though has to go directly to Brandon because it is goalkeeper union. Because Shane asked, 
analyzing Kepa and penalties. He gets a hand to many, but they still go in. Why is it happening? Are the wrists just too weak? He's short. That's it. Like, sorry. But he's, he's short. He can't cover the corners like Atibo. And that'll be something that always happens. Now, to be fair, he has one of my best penalty saves ever. Uh, Spurs last year, we just stood on the line, sat on it, and then didn't even kick it out from under his feet, just left it there and walked away. Uh, it was Frankfurt. It was Frankfurt. Whatever. I yeah. it was that was just the most unbelievable like penalty save, but it didn't take you know height. So he's super athletic. He can get a really quick jump, but the problem is, I mean, these guys will put it in the corner, and he's getting a hand there, fingertips there. It's just not enough. And so if he was two three inches taller, uh, he'd be digging these out. And so um, it's just a limitation he has. He's extremely athletic, so he's very quick to move laterally, but. Um, yeah, that's just a that's just a, a difference at the top level. I don't think Willie would do much better, to be fair. So I don't think that's something we have to go run to. Um, all right, I'll let you guys pick one uh, from these because they asked multiple questions. So Relaxed Maple says, uh, first question, is Tomori a better option than Zuma to start with Christensen? Or two, is Dave losing his magic? Or three, does Tammy have the finishing ability to start over Giroud? Dan, pick one. I will answer the one about Dave losing his magic because I think he, you know, for some some people who are trying to preach patience with players are also getting on Dave right now for being a little out of sorts. And you know, I think, again, you know, he's being asked to do more and more and is, uh, you know, aging as a player. And so he has struggled in the past two matches. He's not been as consistent as we think previously, but I mean, Reese James could be coming for a spot. We know what competition has done to players previously, and it's going to take a lot to unseat him. Like, Reese James is not just going to walk in and magically one day snap, replace Aspilicueta out of the lineup. Is he struggling and is it an opportunity spot? Sure. Is he going to have to work a little bit harder and work a little bit smarter than he has previously? Absolutely. But is he someone who has shown time and time again, whether you put him in a back three, center back pairing, a left-back, a right-back situation that he can deliver? Absolutely. Uh, I will take the, does Tammy have the finishing ability to start over Giroud? Um, no, um, not yet. And it's not to say that I, I don't think he will. Um, I just I think Giroud is our best option right now. I will, I will sing it until the cows come home. I know he's not the sexiest option um, that, that we have right now. I, I know that people are excited about Tammy. I, I love that Giroud brings other players into the game. And I also love that Tammy has a killer mentality and that he wants to be the only guy to score. He wants to score every single goal. I love both of those things. I think Giroud is the better option right now uh, for the team. And it, it doesn't mean that there won't be minutes for Tammy. Uh, but Giroud is my pick, Brandon. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I... I think that Tammy is going to grow into it, but no, I don't think, you know, Drew's had an amazing career. You know, he's proven himself literally over a decade. It doesn't mean Tammy can't, which is the exciting part about it. Um, and then as Dave is losing his magic, I thought he started, he had a really poor first 20, 30 minutes, and I thought he grew into the match. So that was good to see. If he would have continued to make mistake over mistake, because now we're starting to get the, uh, the, um, the Ivanovich comparisons when he just fell apart that season under Mourinho and I just I'm not I don't see that so again he had 
a rocky reaction and then a good reaction for the rest of the game. So important to see. All right, and then the last one is Nikhil Luke saying, one, is Conte Superman? I think we can just all agree yes. So you have yes. other options. Uh, two, is Mount best utilized on the left wing like today? Three, the Tamori substitution confused me. Was Christensen injured? Or four, should we expect the same lineup on Sunday or play Mount slash Barkley for Jorginho? Nick, um, there's a couple layups in there. We'll see We'll see which one you go with. <laughs> Uh, I, I will let Dan take the mount question. Um, I, I would not expect the same lineup on Sunday. I don't know what formation we're going to play because I think Frank isn't formation, you know, dependent or locked in. I think he's going to play whatever he, you know, first of all, whoever is healthy enough to play, which is kind of our our uh, our burn unit of, of players right now or, you know. So we got to deal with that. And then we also have to deal with like what we think the the best attacking uh, and defensive lineup that we can put out there is. I think you're going to see Barkley back. I think you're going to see Willian in. I think you're going to see Pulisic on the right. I think you're going to see Giroud. Um, so I've, you're probably some some the same, some different, Dan. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. I think I'll kind of transition into the, the, the mount question a little bit. So, you know, I think... Mount can play either on the wing, the left wing, or he could play in that that ten role. I don't. I think he probably is better as that that, that creative attacking midfielder, that ten. But he looked really solid playing on the wing today in the the latter moments of the game. So, or in the late moments of regular time, and then all of extra time. So, I, I think. He is someone who you want to tra- will find opportunities into the match, and I think the other thing is he probably delivered one or two of the best uh, set piece balls that we've seen in a really long time that didn't actually hit the first man or go out of bounds or get you know converted into like a weird. Uh, well, we have to kick it to someone in bounds right near me so that we can actually try to get it off again, like. He he looked really solid with that, Brandon. So I'm, I'm happy with his all-around game and what I think he's going to offer us this season. You know, both uh, extremely, um, I think, you know, positive for them today with, with Mount. Uh, you know, I think so. I'm going to tie them together, the lineup and the Mount thing. Uh, I think Lampard is going to adjust the play to counteract Leicester, especially because they've had an entire week off. And Lester love a good counterattack. So if we get exposed, they will hit us on the break, just like United. So, you know, people might be playing in different positions, but they still know their role. They still know their strengths. They still know what they need to do. So it might be a four, two, three, one, but it, you know, but really it's a four diamond two or, you know, whatever it is. It might say something on paper, but the players are going to go and adjust to whatever needs to be done. So it's just very situational dependent, but I think that is the pragmatic approach that Lampard has. It may look very different, um, you know, on a lineup sheet every single week, but all in all, we're typically going to kind of see the same types of performances out of these guys, uh, just in different situations. I thought there was a really good shot today. Someone was talking about how uh, Jorginho was essentially man-marking Firmino for a while. So that just shows, I mean, that's something Maurizio sorry, would never do. Lampard's like, okay, he's their point man. Let's go figure it out. Let's go try to nullify it. Um, you know, and it made Liverpool adjust. And that's what it's all about. It's all about a chess game, right? I'm going to, you know, for you're doing one thing, I'm going to go cut it off. Now, what can you do 
to to figure out the puzzle in a different way. Um, and so that's what I'm I'm most excited for Lampard and Jody and Joe and Eddie and the entire team of what they're going to do every single match this season. But overall, guys, super positive reaction. I think it would, we can it, honestly last last comment here. It would not shock me to see a midfield three of any one of N'Golo Conte or uh, Jorginho alongside uh, Barkley and Mount in a midfield three. I think they can both play the eight quote unquote as well. Um, so I, you know, I, I think if you're looking for tactical flexibility, if you're looking for guys who didn't play a ton of minutes, uh, neither Mount or Barkley played a ton of minutes. So, you know, you, you might see them alongside uh, one of our, our more standard holding midfield players. Absolutely. All right. Well, that'll wrap us up. Listeners, a huge thank you to all of you out there. Uh, we've been getting a lot of love uh, so far this season, so we hope we can continue to deliver on the podcast front for you. Uh, but yeah, next one up is Lester on Sunday, so we'll be coming at you after that one. Another pod in the old inbox Monday morning per usual. Uh, but yeah, that'll wrap us up. So thanks for hanging out with us on this Wednesday evening. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.